Movie Journey Podcast, where not only do we react to films from the top 250, as well as other films not on the top 250, but we also review those top 250 films on this very podcast. Of course, I am Mr. Daniel Henderson, and I am joined with me, of course, Mr. Dean Jeffrey. Hello, fella. How are you going? Hello. How are you? What's I'm, going on? I'm, I'm doing very well, mate. I am uh, pumped for today's- You're pumped? Pumped for today's top 250 pumped. movie, because it's the- uh, You old bastard, you. Calm down. Oh, sorry. Not very inglorious of you. How dare you? If anyone didn't know what we are talking about today, it is, of course, Inglorious Bastards. Imagine <laughs> if it wasn't. Uh, what, a, what a flex. Tarantino's final top 250 film we haven't discussed on this show because, you know, we are big Tarantino fans. Took us a Huge. while to get to this. Huge. And I had we to love ta- Tarantino. It had to take a patron-requested review for this one because, of course, uh, Mr. Chris Beardsall couldn't let this this Inglorious Bastards movie sit idly by without us talking about it. So, we are completing the Tarantino filmography here with this film. And rightly so. Absolutely. Now, if you have not seen the reaction to this movie so far, we are going to watch it and put it up on our YouTube channel. If you want the full-length video or audio commentary of this movie, we do have that over on our Patreon at patreon.com slash themoviejourney. And as usual, a massive shout-out to our patrons for supporting the show and letting us continue on with this fun, fun experiment we've been doing for many years now, Dean. Yeah, as always. Thanks so much. Guys and gals. All right, Dean, we are going to go watch Inglorious Bastards and we'll get our reaction on that. And we'll come back with the review of Inglorious Bastards. Ciao. All right, Dean, we just finished watching Inglorious Bastards. Buongiorno. Grazie. Oh, I did a better accent than Brad Pitt then. Grazie. That That's better. better. Yeah, yeah. That, was, that was actually quite good. All right, let's see. Glorious Bastards released in 2009, written and directed by Mr. Quentin Tarantino, starring Brad Pitt, Christoph Waltz, Michael Fassbender, Eli Roth, Diane Kruger, Daniel Brühl. Brühl. I don't think either of those were right. Till Schweiger. That was pretty Schweiger. good. That was pretty good. And Melanie Laurent. Yeah. What do we say during the movie? Milani? No, you said Milani. Yeah, well, you asked me and I gave you it's an answer. It's probably Milani. Milani? No, it's Melanie. Why is there that little... Because she's French. Okay. <laughs> uh, let's see. Cinematography by Robert Richardson. This this guy, this Robert Richardson, right? Yes. Uh, I just put up a quick little thing here of the amount of times he's been nominated for Academy Awards. Let's see. He was nominated for Platoon, Born on the Fourth of July, Snow Falling on Cedars, Inglorious Bastards, Django Unchained, The Hateful Eight, and Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. And he won for JFK, The Aviator, and Hugo. And that's not the extent of this guy's movies, mate. I'm, I'm going to show you a list of this guy's movies here. He did Kill Bill. He did Shutter Island. Oh, look, he did Venom, Let There Be Carnage. Oh, I saw he's that. He's also done Casino, Natural Born Killers. A few, wow. A Few Good Men. Bring Out the Dead. He's done a lot of Oliver Stone films. Bring Out Your Dead. Wall Street. He's done a lot of Scorsese films. He's, this guy's worked with Oliver Stone, Martin Scorsese, and Quentin Tarantino on a lot of their movies. That's insane. This guy is uh, quite the cinematographer. Ever heard of him before? No. How? We've done every Quentin Tarantino movie yeah. now, and his name has popped up so many times. Yeah, I know. It's nuts. There was Good no uh, there was no score for this movie, M- music score, because usually they bring up who scored the movie, because it's generally with Tarantino films, it's just a, a lot of soundtrack. So there was no score for this film. Tarantino spent just over a decade creating the film script because he became too precious about the page, meaning the story kept growing and expanding. He viewed the script as his masterpiece in the making, so felt it had to become the best thing he has ever written. Tarantino has said that the film's opening scene in which Lander interrogates the French dairy farmer is his favourite thing he's ever written. Yeah, I mean, I don't don't hate that take. No, it's not a bad bad take at all. Yeah, I don't know. This film doesn't feel as Tarantino-y in its writing. Like, it's definitely Tarantino, but, you know, you think about other Tarantino films. As you do. 
I mean, maybe it's because it's set in that particular period. There's not as much day-to-day standard conversation stuff. But, uh, yeah, that's no, great script. By 2002, Tarantino found Inglorious Bastards to be a bigger film than planned and saw that other directors were working on World War II films. Tarantino had produced three nearly finished scripts but couldn't come up with an ending. He moved on to direct Kill Bill and then went back to his first storyline draft and considered making it a miniseries. Ooh. Ugh. You would have liked this as a miniseries? More Tarantino. Let's do it. No. Instead, he trimmed the script using his script for Pulp Fiction as a guide to length. Is this the same length as Pulp Fiction? You tell me. You're the PF fan. Two and a half hours. Seems about right. I think Mm. this this is not his uh, longest film. I'm pretty sure Hateful Eight destroys that. Destroys. That goes for at least three hours. At least that he made into a miniseries, didn't he? He did, after the fact. Did he edit that or was that like... No, he's sure, there's no way he's handballing one of his movies off to someone else. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, he didn't edit it. His editor edited it. Not Sally, though. She no, was... not Sally. She did pass away after yeah. Django, I believe. I think you mean Django. <laughs> <laughs> the review, the revised premise focused on a group of soldiers who escape from their executions and embark on a mission to help the Allies. Interesting. Tarantino planned to begin production in 2005, but delayed production, intending to make a kung fu film entirely in Mandarin, was unfortunately scrapped. I feel like we got his kung we, yeah, fu just film got that. in Kill Bill. Yeah, so. yeah, maybe that's what he thought. I've already yeah. done this. Let's move on. Although he did go on then to direct Death Proof, so maybe we would have uh, been better off with another kung fu you film. You wanted an Mandarin. entirely Mandarin kung fu film? Yeah, a Pai Mei only story. Pai Mei, interesting. Hmm. A Pai Mei prequel? Obviously, it can't be a, a follow-up from Kill Bill. <laughs> Was that a Pai <laughs> laugh? When the script's final draft was finished, it was leaked on the internet, the, oh. in, the internet, old 2009 internet, and several Tarantino fan sites began posting review and excerpts from the script. Just leave his scripts alone, would you? God, Tarantino originally sought Leonardo DiCaprio to be cast as Hans Lander. Wow. Ugh. Before deciding to have the character played by a native German-speaking actor. Thank you. The role ultimately went to Austrian Christoph Waltz, who, according to Tarantino, gave me my movie as he feared the part was unplayable. I think Waltz showed that the character was definitely playable. Mm. Pitt and Tarantino had wanted to work together for a number of years, but they were waiting for the right project. When Tarantino was halfway through the film script, he sensed that Pitt was a strong possibility for the role of Aldo Rain. And by the time he had finished writing it, he thought he would be terrific, and Pitt signed on. What's the closest Pitt got to working with Tarantino prior to this? I could see him in... Oh, Jackie Brown might have been a bit too... Early in Pitt's career, this is before. That's before Fight Club. No, I don't mean hypothetically. I mean in reality. I can't see him in another role. He was in the Quentin Tarantino written film True True Romance. Romance. Hey, how'd you not get that? God, I just almost. I know you're (laughs) upset at losing, but there's no need for that. (laughs) Okay, this one. Tarantino asked Adam Sandler to play the role of Donnie Donowitz. But Sandler declined due to schedule conflicts with funny people. AKA, he was on holidays. <laughs> <laughs> so they cast Eli Roth instead. Thank God. And Roth wasn't great. Roth also directed the film within the film Nation Pride, which used 300 extras. Good for you. Yeah. Surprised it, was, surprised it wasn't uh, Robert Rodriguez. Hmm. 
Tarantino also wanted to cast Simon Pegg as Lieutenant Archie Hickox, but he was forced to drop out due to scheduling difficulties with Spielberg's Tintin adaptation. Okay. Michael Fassbender began final negotiations to join the cast as Hickox after that, although he originally auditioned for the role of Lander. All right, let's take a step back and, and wow. analyse this paragraph. Simon Pegg as Michael Fassbender. That's in, horrific. At, at this time in his career... Horrific. What has he done? He's been in a Mission Impossible. He was in Mission Impossible 3 at this point. He's not an imposing man. No. He's the you comic need relief. someone to be able to be sold as a high-ranking German officer. 2009. Wasn't that the, fir- the uh, Star Trek remake? Uh, does Fassbender speak German prior to this? What do you mean? In a movie? No. In life. I have no idea. Got to mm. ask him. Rod Taylor was effectively retired from acting. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Oh, yeah, the other took, part. Yeah, yeah. Jeez, <laughs> forgot about that. What about Fassbender as Lander? I don't hate it. Um, I, I, I mean, I kind of do. Lander, Lander's perfectly cast as, yeah. uh, with uh, Christoph Waltz. But I can see, you know, I can see Fass... From going off what else we've said, you know, with uh, Simon Pegg being cast or Adam Sandler... Fassbender as a different character in Lander isn't the worst thing. I mean, it's it's the least worst of what we have seen so Thank far. Thank you. Rod Taylor was effectively retired from acting and no longer had an agent, but came out of retirement when Tarantino offered him the role of Winston Churchill was in Winston this film. Winston Churchill? I didn't even get that. You're the history guy. You didn't know that Winston Churchill was the man in charge during the, the Nazi regime? I love that I'm the history guy. Thank you, you Hendo. You said it during the movie. Do you, not, re- do you not remember Darkest Hour? I'm the history guy. I remember Darkest Hour. Who That's- played? Who played it better, Rod Taylor or Gary Oldman? Uh, Rod Taylor. How about that Dunkirk? <laughs> uh, this would be Taylor's last appearance on film before his death in 2015. Okay. Mike Myers had inquired about being in the film since Myers' parents had been in the British Armed Forces. Who cares, Mike Myers? Wow, calm down. He just had no job. That's what he was. He inquiring. inquired about being. He inquired about being in the inquired. film. Tarantino met Melanie Laurent in three rounds. Three rounds. Reading Ding-ding. all the characters on the first round. On the second meeting, he shared the lines with her. The third was face-to-face dinner. During the dinner, he told Laurent, "Do you know something?" It's just something I don't like. It's that you're famous in your country and I'm really wanting to discover somebody. After four days of convincing him that she wasn't that famous, <laughs> he finally cast her for the role of Shoshana. Okay, that took a little while. It took a bit of convincing to get her into the role, but she, she got it in and uh, mm. she nailed it. I didn't mean it like that. Calm down. <laughs> We're in a post uh, Me Too era, Hendo. You need to watch what you say, please. BJ... <laughs> Novak, good, good segue. <laughs> had to leave. Had to take leave from appearing on the office in order to play Private First Class Udovich. His absence on the show was explained by his character going to Thailand with friends from high school. Mm. Do you remember that portion of the office, Dean? You've watched it more than me. I've watched it multiple times. Um, yeah, I mean, BJ Novak has periods when he's not in the office. Sure. Well, he's one of the writers of the office, isn't he? He is. Yes. Many of the actors on The Office were the writers. Yes. Yes. Tarantino had said that Till Schweiger refused to put on a Nazi uniform for a film role, largely due to being born and raised in Germany and his very real hatred of anything Nazi-related. When Schweiger was told he'd brutally kill a Nazi in every scene, <laughs> he wore the uniform, he quickly got the uniform on. Is Schweiger Hugo? Yes. Nice. Yeah. So the production crew almost got incinerated during the theatre fire scene as they projected the fire would burn at 400 degrees Celsius or 752 degrees Fahrenheit for you out there, but it instead burned at 1,200 degrees Celsius, 2,190 degrees Fahrenheit for you guys out there. 
The swastika was not supposed to fall either, as it was fastened with steel cables, but the steel softened and snapped. Wow. Wow, that's a lot of lot of fire. Tarantino said that for the scene where Kruger was strangled, he personally strangled the actress with his own bare hands in one take to aid authenticity. What the fuck, Tarantino? Yeah. Sometimes you make it hard to like you. I mean, that scene where she gets strangled looks like vicious. Mm. I, d- I did actually remember seeing something like this where he was talking to her and saying, like, I'm going to physically actually strangle you. I'm going to close off your air. And I'm going to get it in one take, and then we're going to be done. Mm. And she was like, okay, let's do this, and actually strangled her to the point where she was not able to breathe. Mm. I mean, I don't know if you have it coming up, but Kruger was, like, begging to get in this movie. Yeah, I don't have it. Like, oh, good. Okay, well, she, that's had, why to, she, like, if, she had If to Tarantino con- said, I'm going to strangle you, and we're going to get this done, like, in one go, she's like, mm. do whatever you got to do. Yeah. Quentin Tarantino intended for this to be as much a war film as a spaghetti western. With the music? And considered titling the movie Once Upon a Time in Nazi-Occupied France. He gave that title instead to the first chapter of the film. I don't think that title would have worked as well. Does it? Do you need the Nazi-Occupied? Once Upon a Time in France. Yeah. And it's about German Nazis. Yeah. Kind of misleading. Okay. I think Inglorious Bastards is a better title. Not I'd- everything has to be a Once Upon a Time. There are some good Once Upon a Time movies, Ender. There is. West, America, Hollywood. What else is there? It's China, but I haven't seen it. There's Once Upon a Time in India, and that is shit. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I bet you've seen it. <laughs> it's about cricket, <sighs> and it's four hours long. <laughs> oh, God. I'd rather watch cricket, and that's saying something. <laughs> According to Brad Pitt, the film was shot sequentially. Okay. Any particular reason for that? No. I don't know why they would. It seems odd, considering they would have to set up like shots at locations, take it down, film something else, and then come back to it, set up again. Seems odd. The film had an accelerated production schedule set up to be completed for release at the Cannes Film Festival in 2009, where the film would compete for the Palm d'Or. It ultimately lost to The White Ribbon. However, Waltz did win the Best Actor Award. Have you heard of The White Ribbon? Yes, I have. Have you seen The White Ribbon? I have not. What is The White Ribbon? It's the film that won the Palm d'Or in 2009. It's a foreign film. I'm pretty sure it's black and white. I could be wrong on that. But, uh, yeah, I have heard of it. Cake. <laughs> uh, following the film's screening at Cannes, Tarantino stated that he would be re-editing the film in June before its ultimate theatrical release, mm-hmm. allowing him time to finish assembling several scenes that were not completed in time for the hurried Cannes premiere. Maybe that's why I didn't win. Yeah, wasn't uh, properly edited by Tarantino. Mm. Tarantino originally wanted Ennio Morricone to, pro- to compose the film's soundtrack. Morricone was unable to because the film's sped-up production schedule conflicted with his scoring of Giuseppe Donatore's Baria. Because mm, The Hateful Eight was obviously Morricone, but that was Tarantino's first film to have a score, wasn't it? I believe it was. Yes. Uh, Christoph Waltz dubbed his own performan- performance. <laughs> That's you dubbing your own word. <laughs> performance in the German version. Nice. That's true. And I didn't write it down, but Daniel Bruhl. I think that's right. I think it's Brule. Brule uh, dubbed his own version, uh, dubbed his own performance in the Swedish version. Oh, Swedish. <laughs> Tarantino didn't misspell the title to differentiate his film from the 1978 movie by the same name. He said it instead was a creative decision, which he initially refused to explain, saying, here's the thing, I'm never going to explain that. You do an artistic flourish like that, and to explain it would just take the piss out of it and invalidate the whole stroke in the first place. Hey, Tarantino. He later said that bastards was spelled as such because that's just the way you say it. And honestly, I didn't know how to spell it. I made that. You made that last couple of words up. 
the film's publicity materials had to be adjusted in Germany and Austria to comply with both countries' penal laws, as the display of Nazi... I knew you were going to say it, and I got right to the point where I was like, oh, he's not going to say it, and you said it. As the display of Nazi iconography is restricted there. The swastika was removed from the typography of the title, and the steel helmet had a bullet hole in place of the Nazi symbol. Mm. Fair enough. But budget of $70 million and worldwide gross $321 million. Nice. Nice. Very good from Inglorious Bastards. I did read that was Tarantino's highest grossing film at that time until Django Unchained took that mantle. Eight nominations for Inglorious wow. Bastards. It's good. It was nominated for Best Picture, which it lost to The Hurt Locker, alongside Avatar, The Blind Side, District 9, and Education, Precious, A Serious Man, Up and Up in the Air. Strong year. Uh, Tarantino was nominated for Best Director, but lost to Catherine Bigelow with The Hurt Locker. He was also up against James Cameron for Avatar, Lee Daniels for Precious, and Jason Reitman for Up in the Air. Tarantino also lost Best Original Screenplay to The Hurt Locker. Don't know about that one. He also lost bet no he, not he but Robert Richardson I think I said his name was lost best cinematography to Avatar the film lost best film editing to The Hurt Locker it lost best sound mixing to The Hurt Locker Makes and sense. it lost best sound editing to The Hurt Locker but it did win one and of course it was for Christoph Waltz for best supporting actor as he was up against Matt Damon in Invictus Woody Harrelson in The Messenger Christopher Plummer in The Last Station and Stanley Tucci wow. in The Lovely Bones soft landing there speaking of soft landing uh, Waltz's competition that year. Waltz basically won every no- every award he was nominated for throughout the year, with the exception being for Best Villain in the MTV Movie Awards, which he lost to Tom Felton as Draco Malfoy in Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. What the fuck? Mm. That's the one to lose? Oh, so Tom Felton, really? Yeah. I mean, should be Alan Rickman at that point, right? Yeah. <laughs> what did they, were they under something there? Yeah, but the books were out of that Yeah, fair enough. All right, but Rotten Tomatoes critics give this an 89%, saying a classic Tarantino genre-blending thrill ride in Glorious Bastards is violent, unrestrained, and thoroughly entertaining. The audience is a little bit bit shorter with an 88% one-off. Metacritic give it a 69%. Letterboxd have it at a 4.3. But let's take a look at the history of Inglorious Bastards in the top 250 list. This debuted onto the list on the 21st of August 2009. It looks to be just above number 200. And four days later, it had skyrocketed to number 35, which was its highest peak. Hmm. Since then, it dropped a little bit down to, I'd say, 120 by 2013. And since then, it has had a gradual little upswing there where it currently sits right now at number 85 with an 8.3 over 1.3 million votes inglorious bastards hey that's the uh that's the trivia but i ask you good sir you're done reading trivia i want to hear your thoughts on inglorious bastards yeah i, I love this film mm-hmm. um oh what do you say about inglorious bastards i mean i i i went into this thinking is this the greatest opening scene of all time and spoiler for you excellent <laughs> I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be. Oh, give me a break. What? When you come and saying, I came in thinking, is this the greatest scene ever written no, and no, created? No. Opening scene. Opening. Oh, but wait till you get to the closing scene. I mean, honestly, the Fassbender <laughs> scene is pretty, pretty great. There are down a lot of that. fantastic scenes. Yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't disappointed in that opening scene. And considering you go in with, you know, expectations literally as high as possible for the opening. Yeah, it's great. And then, like, you you know, I came here and you're like, gee, this film's really long. Wow, did I not feel this length 
at all. Uh, just is it just a, a thing that we have now where because we're sitting here watching it together and having, so having a laugh, it just breezes through? I mean, I also think that the caliber of films we've been watching is, although we have been watching Star Wars prequel, so it's true. I take that back. Speaking of Star Wars, we do have those uh, reactions over on our YouTube channel <laughs> and the audio commentaries on our Patreon. Okay, uh, they get yeah. it. They get it. They get it. Uh, I just think this film just—it's—it's it's so great. Like this film is so well edited. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Like every chapter just flows so nicely. The moments of tension as well are just so. Five chapters in this one? Yes. Yeah. Just flow so nicely, as I said. Mm-hmm. Completely lost my train. Oh, the moments of tension. <laughs> moments of tension are just phenomenal because it's not. It's not that you know. It's not the moments where there's the graphic violence, the beatings, the scalping, or anything. It's that the silence stands out. It's it's those awkward moments where Hans is just. Saying things that implies he knows way too much than he should. Um, I'll you yeah. take over. Yeah, I haven't really think? said too much. Uh, this is my most unknown Tarantino film. Oh, so you had seen this once before, like probably two thousand and ten. Like, and I only remembered the very why, like the, why? the big. Why? I don't know okay, why. Why is this your most unknown? I, I th- did you not? Oh, I mean, okay, you want to you, you want to know why? It's because. When we started the top 250, it sort of had the idea that I'm not going to watch these 250 films until we do them. Yeah, I know, but there were years in between. And we've seen every other Tarantino film since then. There were years in between. What do you mean? Like between 2009 and whenever the hell we started, there were- I mean, there are a lot of movies to watch in between there too. There are, but I mean, had you seen Django more? When Django came out, I think I watched it twice in one day. There you go. Why didn't you watch this twice in one day? I watched it late at night. Maybe, I don't know. <laughs> that was many moons ago. I remember seeing this at cinemas. I didn't watch it at the cinema. Why not? Well, you're not a movie guy. Clearly not. Clearly not. This film is... I, I didn't I didn't really know what to expect. I know, I know that I knew I was going to like it because I liked it the first time, but I didn't know how much I was going to like it. Mm. And, yeah, I think what you were starting to get into in that conversation there was the big key highlight of this film is just the tension that is in like so many of these scenes that like you said the chapter set up each chapter is its own story there's a couple of interconnecting pieces between each one but you can visualize each chapter as its own story and each each chapter has so many key moments of tension you look at this the, the first chapter in the the french Let's go cow farm them, yep. like that was that was fantastic you, you look at the, the scene in the, you look at the scene in the restaurant with shoshana and landa when they're eating the pastry and just how you skip the second chapter I'm talking about the key tension scenes here. I thought you were going through the chapters. I wasn't going through any of the chapters. Could you name the five chapters? Could I name them? Wow. Once upon a time in Nazi-occupied France. Yes. Inglorious Bastards. Yes. And I guess the tension-filled scene in that is the the bear Jew coming out with his bat. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh, so there's Operation Keener, but I think that's number four. Yeah, what's what's the third one? Uh, Hang on. Number five was... Revenge of the Giant Face. Oh, yeah, that's the one I was not going to remember. Oh, really? You, yeah. you commented yeah, on it. Yeah, but I forgot about it. Giant Face? Yeah, and then I realised, oh, that's the big giant face on the screen. What is the third one? I don't remember the third uh, one. <laughs> wow. We just watched it. Your memory is terrible. <laughs> I know, right? German Night in Paris. Yeah, because I was I was thinking, what's the next tension filled scene? And it is the scene down in the bar with Fassbender and the, the guns mm. to their Oh, I mean, that balls. whole scene is it, exactly. phenomenal. There's, and I was pretty much like you. I was expecting to come in thinking that my favourite scene was going to be a, at the start. And maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but- there are so many of those scenes throughout this movie that mm. you can like. There's this scene, this scene, this scene, this scene. Mm. They're all so good. The script is like just oh, it's what's, mm. what's he do? My own. 
He loves it. Marlon. Yeah. It's funny as hell as well. It we is had funny. a joke at the start. Did we? That we're like, oh, this is going to be a fun time, a hilarious comedy. We're like, is it really? It's about, you know, Nazis getting killed and Jews getting killed. Yeah, my God. Like, Brad Pitt is so funny in this film. He's great. Yeah. He puts on a performance. I, here. I underrated how good Brad Pitt yeah, is in this. He really he steals the show with the comedy, but who actually steals the show is, of course, Christoph Waltz. He mm. is so good in this film as Hans Lander. He is so intimidating, yet he just does it in that smile like that suave smile kind of way. Confident. Like, exactly. He can say something to you and you're just frozen in fear and he'll just crackle, he'll just laugh away like, oh, I'm just kidding. It's like, oh, you know, like, oh my mm. God. Like you see how nervous everyone is around him because because of his reputation, but also because he, he's so charming and sophisticated and he can just he can talk you into exactly what he wants to know and then just snap on the dime and you know pin you to the ground and choke you to death. Yeah. No, it's 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 a great character. One of the all time great villains. Absolutely. Not not as good as Draco Malfoy, of course, in Half Blood Prince. Of Tom Felt. What a <laughs> performance. What about the uh the soundtrack of this film? I mean, David Bowie aside. I'm telling you, that was the that was the song from Kill Bill. I mean, it wasn't. I, I love that you still say that. It was, and by fine. this point, everyone's going to know that it was. Okay. I'm surprised you're so confident. I, because I know it is. I don't think it is. I think it'll be- How much different. you want to bet? I mean, I know you, you don't like to, ooh, I don't want to bet anything anymore. Yeah, I wanted to throw out a bet with you a little while ago. Like, nah, not anymore. Well, what do you what do you want to bet? A movie, which we're not going to talk I bet about. Bet you a six pack, but why would I bet you a six pack? You come to my house and drink all my beers, my <laughs> bloody <laughs> 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 drinks. No, it's, it's just the gratification that I already know I've won. I know. Yeah, you're a little man who needs all these little wins in your life, and that's fine. It's a big win. It's a big because you're still going on about it. I mean, I, I, I imagine if you're wrong here. I'm not wrong. Yeah, but imagine. But I'm not. Uh huh. Let's, we're losing focus here. Uh, soundtrack, yeah, it's fine. Yeah, very, very spaghetti western yeah, like which, he wanted. which is good. Yeah. Like, we like that. Absolutely. Like, Man, Tarantino loves westerns, doesn't he? He can make anything into a spaghetti western. It's like, we're going to do a film about 1940s Nazi Germany and France, and I'm going to make it a spaghetti western. Yep. It's like, all right, bro. I mean, honestly, like, you think about it, that Kill Bill has a lot of western elements to it. Um, obviously, Django Unchained is a western. Hateful Eight. Yep. Yep. Once upon a time in Hollywood. I mean, they go on the set and it's it's Western. Yep. So he gets it in he gets he gets it in everywhere. He gets a Western in wherever he can. Mm, yeah. Mm. Uh the supporting cast in this film, I think, uh, they all stand out. Fassbender, Brule, mm. Laurent. The guy, the um the major in that pub scene, he was great. Oh yeah, the uh, The Mads yeah, wannabe. He wants to be Mads. Everyone wants to be Mads. If Mads had done that, my God, it would have been better than Waltz. Oh, mm. Just like he was in James Bond. Could you see? Could you see Mads in the Hans Lander role? I don't think I could. <laughs> I don't think I could. Why not? You've seen him as good guy, and you've seen him as bad guy. I don't know. I just I think you don't think you could mix it up. See, the thing is, look with at Waltz, you, Mister Mads, doubting his abilities. No, nah, Waltz. Did you just say Mister Waltz? Yeah. <laughs> Did I? <laughs> I think you mean Mister Mickelson. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think Waltz is perfectly cast for that role and he just plays it absolutely perfectly. Granted, he won that Oscar in a quite a weak field from mm. what we read, mm. but still, I don't think that takes anything away from his performance. Okay. I also don't think this film is as gratuitously violent that, as, that, that, as other Tarantino The films. intro to the bear juice scene... I think that really, but you need gave it. It, gave it gave the idea to everyone out there that this is an excessively violent film. You see it from a distance. 
you see a lot of scalping. There is that oh, bit of the that, end where yeah, the, you see you, you see the Hitler face just get destroyed with bullets. Yeah, but that was so clearly just yeah. like fake. Yeah, I would agree. This is this has an R rating in Australia, doesn't it? Nah, MA. Are you sure? No. You're not sure at all? Yeah, mm. it makes sense. It's typical, Dean. I'm not sure. Do I have this Blu-ray? I have this on 4K. Why would I have this on Blu-ray? I haven't seen it in fucking 12 years. <laughs> <laughs> Uh wow okay this film uh we've said a lot of good lot of good positive stuff about it wow are you actually going to a negative I think my negative for the film is it's it's it still just doesn't it's not at the top tier Tarantino echelon I for mean me. a lot of people this is like their favorite Tarantino I know I know this uh, is this is his masterpiece according to him as well do you think he's changed that idea or do you think he really thinks this is his masterpiece do I think he likes his other films more I think he thinks this is his masterpiece. Still? Yeah. Still? Oh, definitely after Bastards, he thinks that. And if he thought that while making Bastards, I don't think he's thought he's changed his mind making the next three films. What about Hollywood? No, nah, I don't think so. Mm, got a lot of critical praise, Hollywood. I don't know. Um, so what, what are your negatives? That it's just not as good as, you know, some of the best films ever made. Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill. Reservoir Dogs. Mm, I think this is better than Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, I'm going to disagree. What did I give Reservoir Dogs? Four and a half? Maybe. I think I did. Yeah. I would probably, off the top of my head, thinking of all the films that he's done, the whole nine of them, and if you're including Kill Bill as one whole movie, this is probably going to rank fourth for me. I mean, that's fucking high. But there's a, there is a, a gap between fourth and third. That gap. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so your one, two, three is the, the three we just said. And then a gap, yeah, to Inglorious. See, I, I see. I, I, wait, I, I might actually put Hollywood above this. Honestly, I might put this at fifth. I watched Hollywood last week. This is better than Hollywood. I'm telling you, this is better than Hollywood. I probably have to watch Hollywood again. I've seen it. Tw- I think I've seen it twice. Yeah, eh, maybe. This is definitely better than Hollywood. Well, we're not debating that because Hollywood's not in the top two fifty, so we can't rank it against it. Mm, we, we have we have spoken about the favorite scene already, but excellent. <laughs> Lock it in, Dean. What is your favourite scene of this movie? Would you want me to go first while you think about no, it and I'll, piggyback off my answer? Because it'll probably be me piggybacking off your answer. No, no, I'll go first because I actually do think we have a, a different one. I am sticking with the opening scene as my favourite scene. Okay. I think the way it's shot, the intro, just what it introduces here. The cinematography is fantastic as well for this cow farm, whatever he calls it. We just we learned so much dairy farm. about Hans Lander in this scene. Yeah. It's it's fantastic. I just think this is the perfect opening scene, and that is why it's my excellent. I what thought, about you? I thought you knew me better. Mine is also the first scene. Ah, oh, for God's yeah. sake. Taking my excellent. Yeah, a lot of them came close. I think the one that came the closest was the Fassbender, Fassbender bar scene. That was so, so good. good. It's so good. But like you said, the introduction of Hans Lander and just how well he exudes this villain with his cheeky little grin and his suave manner and then mm. just the turn he of the is, dime. He is untouchable. It was fantastic and yeah. easily, well, not so much easily, but like there was a, a bit right after the fast bender scene where I was like, oh, this this could be it. But like, nah, it, it, has, it has to be the, the start of this movie. It was, mm. it was great. It was mm. excellent. No, definitely. Any last words? All right, Dean, what's your final thoughts on Inglorious Bastards? Just did not disappoint. Such a great film. So much tension and... Ooh, I, I, love this I love this film. I haven't overwatched it either, which is good, like some of the earlier Tarantino films. So Inglorious Bastards gets... Amazing. Amazing. Incredible. Outstanding. Very good, Dean. I really, really enjoyed this film. Not to the Not- high calibre 
You did. However, what? it's a Tarantino film. It's incredibly written. It's incredibly acted. The soundtrack is so fantastic. Long film didn't feel the length, but like I said earlier on, it's not at the high echelon of Tarantino films, and I'm going to give this a four and a half. Ooh, very nice, Hendo. I was the best because the crowd loved me. All right, Dean, where's this going to sit on your rankings of okay. 104 films of the top 250 list we've done so far as we scroll right down here? Oh, second page. No, I'm pretty sure it is 103. <laughs> so let's go back up to your five-star films where we start in 33 at The Terminator. Yeah, 33 at The Terminator is correct. Yeah, this is this is actually hard because obviously this five-star film for me, but it's... I mean, you start looking at these five-star... Oh, start looking at these <laughs> five... eyeballs Hamilton... <laughs> You start looking at these five-star films and, yeah, it gets tough to rank them. Oh, here we go. We've got Kill Bill at 19, and I like Kill Bill more than this. So, you're going down from 19? Yeah, I like- Just, just go past Hamilton, would you? I like Hamilton more. Yes. Uh, the Pianist. Ooh, another war film. Hey, while you're here, do you, you want to drop Donnie Darko now? I think you said during Whiplash that Donnie Darko should not be at 22. It should not be at 22. Correct. We should drop Donnie Darko- Oh, that's a drop. He's scrolling here. <laughs> I don't know. Like, we should drop Donnie Darko to my lowest ranked five stars at number 30, 33. Well, 34 now, if you're going to put uh, yeah, so a glorious in there. Uh, so, The Pianist, another war film. Do love The Pianist. And then Saving Private Ryan after that. Maybe it makes sense to have this little trio of World War II films here. Because after that's Whiplash. I do like this more than Whiplash. So, let's go. Gee, I watched Saving Private Ryan really recently as well. I'm going to put this at the bottom of this trio of war films here. Do you know what that makes it, now that Donnie Darko's gone out of that? 23. Very good. I had to think about that. Well, you asked it like it was confusing. It was for you. It's my new number 23. Very good. All what right. about you, Hendo? Let's take a look. I'm going to go a little bit further down the list and look at the four and a half star films. I'm going to start at the top of the four and a half star films with The Fellowship of the Ring. And Fellowship is better. Than Glorious Bastards. The Hunt is up next. Hmm. I think this. I think this is where the circle is going to be here. Ooh, but the Once Upon a Time in the West of forty-one. Like, how does that compare in terms of Once Upon a Time in Nazi-occupied France? Yeah. Because hmm. I think it's better than One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest of forty-two. I do too. So I've got Once Upon a Time in the West of forty-one, Groundhog Day at forty, Old Boy at thirty-nine, and The Hunt at thirty-eight. Better than Old Boy. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it's better than Old Boys, so it's a case of whether it's better than The Hunt. I think it is better than The Hunt. I'm going to put Inglorious Bastards as my new number 38 out of 104. Very good. We may still have mail. Mail, mail, mail. Here it is. And this oh. could be it. Oh. All right, as usual, we get our patrons to send in any reviews of the top 250 films we do. And our first one here is from Chris at the Rough House Podcast. And he says, top tier Tarantino. All right. Mm. The story is enthralling. The cast is superb. The writing is sharp, funny, and authentic, and the violence is plentiful. I really enjoyed the fun alternate timeline we were shown here, and I especially enjoyed the fantastic Christoph Waltz, who gives an all-time great performance, and the terrible and terribly charming Nazi villain. Five stars and a big bonjourno for all involved. Very good. Thank you very much, Chris. But, of course, we've got... Shane! Good evening. Daniel and Dean, um, the movie journey, of course. Um, brother Shane here. Um, doing something a little bit different today. Doing something a little special. Yeah, I know, right? Inglorious Bastards, big movie. It's an occasion, I guess. Um, special though, in maybe another way. Um, okay, so I ran out of time. And I didn't watch the movie. Now, 
It's kind of, kind of interesting because yesterday I didn't do anything at all. I didn't have anything planned except maybe watch Inglorious Bastards. But as the day went on, it's just like, you know, that little voice in the back of my head, you're going to watch Inglorious Bastards now. It's like, and I'm just like, um, no, can, can I watch something else, please? And that's pretty much how the day went until probably around um, nine o'clock and I was getting into Afterlife. And then it was just like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not watching Inglorious Bastards. I'm just going to come home. From work, I'm gonna I'm gonna watch it. I'm gonna send it off. It's gonna be perfect. They're probably not even recording tonight. Yeah, but um, so I sent the message off to Dean, and he's just like, "Yep, you've got two hours. Get on it." So, so this is this is my like rush sort of, you know, sort of um, oh, this is this is brother Shane Raw. Like I've got no script in front of me, no review, no witty remarks. You're just getting, you know, just getting it right out of my mouth, you know, and that's maybe the best way to have it. I mean, doesn't this sum up though, Inglorious Bastards, that I couldn't even be bothered rewatching it? I mean, I've only probably seen the movie twice. I, I, I just, it for me, Inglorious Bastards has always been this. It was, you see, with Death Proof, you know, Quentin Tarantino, right? You know, Reservoir Dogs, Pulp Fiction, Jackie Brown, Kill Bill. It's just like fantastic, fantastic. Jackie Brown was like, hey, that wasn't as good as Pulp Fiction. Then it's like, Kill Bill. It's like, well, well of course he's the best director of all time. I had no doubts at all. Um, and then, you know, then it was like Grindhouse and those two movies. And it's just like, yeah, you get you get a pass for that one, mate. Um, that was a strange movie. But but then then I remember like with in 2009, Inglourious Bastards, this is a movie I've been hearing about since like, I don't know, probably around Kill Bill came out. I heard he's going to make this, you know, epic you know, World War Two film, and it's like, okay, Quentin Tarantino, okay, what is it, it's going to be, um, it's going to be a serious movie, right, it's going to be powerful and impactful, and then it's like, yeah, starring Mike Myers, but, um, but actually, he's not really that, he's not in the movie that much, and he's not really that funny from, from memory, um, it's, it's not a funny, it's like, it's meant to be a comedy, but it's not a, really a comedy, and it's not really a serious, like, greatly serious movie, I mean, I remember, you know, like, Chris, oh, you, you, you got me now. I'm gonna to have to look up the cast. Um, Chris, Christopher Watts, Christoph Watts. <laughs> yeah, great for get, forgetting that one. Uh, he's, you know, he was, he's, he's obviously amazing in the movie. But, but apart from him, who else is in there? I mean, like Brad Pitt. He, Brad Pitt didn't really do anything for me. Um, no, he's okay. He just didn't blow me away. And then there's like all these sort of like generic actors like Michael Fassbender. You know, never a big fan. Eli Roth, never a big fan. B.J. Novak, I cannot picture him in this movie, but um, <laughs> he was he was in um The Office, so that's the, I hope I hope, we, I hope you've really gone in depth with that because I'd be all over that if I was the movie journey. B.J. Novak, anyway, um, yeah, I just I never really liked the movie. I thought it was okay, like you know, like three stars. You know, I mean, it's not a horrible movie. It's just I just didn't really get into the characters. Didn't really find it that impactful. Kind of found it a bit boring. It's really long. Um, there was just nothing about it that was that impressive. Like, with war movies, you expect to be, you know, powerfully impacted. And this just didn't have that. And it wasn't like a great comedy or anything. Mike Myers, not doing anything in it, you know. Oh, I mean, you know, he's, he's better in that than the love guru, per se. But uh, <laughs> that's that's not really doing anything. So, okay. So, I probably should... um wrap things up now but um you know good luck to you um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna sit back um in a few days and i'm gonna watch your reaction to this movie and maybe my thoughts will change maybe it will be that four and a half star five star film that i always wanted to be but um for now 
It's it's three stars, and I'm not looking forward to it. <laughs> wow, a three star not looking forward to it. Jesus. All right, Shane. I, I must admit, though, every movie gets elevated to a five and a four and a half when you watch our reaction with it. So wow. it's kind of a you know bit of a cop out, but. Three stars, but doesn't want to watch it. Okay. It's probably the uh, shittest three-star review I've heard. But uh, no, thank you for the uh, the story behind why you failed to watch this movie in time. Uh, so, so talk to me. How do you how do you think scripted Shane compares to raw Shane? <laughs> Brother Shane raw. <laughs> Half. <laughs> Half. <laughs> A star. <laughs> yeah. Shane, uh, stick to script, would you? Oh, wow. <laughs> We're for five minutes. I like raw Shane. Well, calm down. Really? <laughs> now, thank you, Shane, as usual. Like, even even though you didn't even watch the movie, you still took the time and effort to quickly squeeze in a review to get to us because we can't have a Top Tier 50 review without a Brother Shane review, unless, of course, it's uh, Hutchie. So I don't blame you for that, so that's fine. What did you say about Hutchie? He didn't do a review for Hutchie. What? Has he watched it? He watched it after the fact. Yeah, I bet he loved it. He didn't. <laughs> so, what's next? All right, Dean. Top Tier 50 film coming up next. It is going to be a very, very recent film. It is a film I have not watched because I know we're going to be doing it for this reaction slash review. And I didn't want to watch it without doing this because I know that it was coming up, and I, but I did want to watch it before the Oscars came up because our next reaction slash review is going to be of Denis Villeneuve's Dune. Dune. Mm-hmm. Pretty, pretty excited for that. You have watched it already. I have not so and I have I have I've kept away from everything about this movie. I know bugger all about this movie. I am keen to watch it again. Awesome. That's going to be a good time. That's going to be coming up on our next reaction and review. So thank you very much everyone for checking out this episode and we'll see you next time for Dune. Bye.